Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSceneDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to award-winning Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is a podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old-school basketball to a new-school audience, and today we bring you the story of the ABCD camp. It was arguably the most elite high school basketball camp in the United States. It brought the most elite high school players in the country into one gym to be showcased for college and NBA coaches. Unfortunately, it does not exist anymore, but for over 20 years, it served to give the best players in the country a chance to play against each other to see exactly how good everybody was. It also allowed some Tier 2 players to put themselves on the radar of these college coaches. And the whole thing was the brainchild of one, Sonny Vaccaro. I have talked about Sonny Vaccaro before. We have done a couple of episodes where he was one of the featured personalities of that episode. We featured him in episode 139 on Vaccaro's instrumental role in helping sign Michael Jordan to Nike and creating the Air Jordan shoe. Vaccaro was also featured in another episode on the Dapper Dan Round Ball Classic, the first national level high school all-star game that Vaccaro created. That was episode 158 in case you want to go back and check that out. That is now three episodes that feature Vaccaro. Now I will say this about the man. For a guy who was never a coach or a significant player, he was extremely influential in the game of basketball at the high school, college, and professional levels. Vaccaro simply had a hand in nearly every aspect of basketball. The ABCD camp was started in 1984, right around the time that he was helping Nike to create the Air Jordan. Of course, we all know that the Air Jordan is the most successful basketball shoe ever created. Even today, Michael Jordan has been retired for 20 years and his shoe is still the best-selling basketball shoe out there. On the success of the Air Jordan, Vaccaro was able to convince Nike to help sponsor his next big idea the ABCD camp. The camp would have several related goals that it wanted to achieve. One was to be able to bring the top players in the country together into the same gym and then invite all of the top college coaches in the country to come and observe. For the college coach, it made complete sense. Rather than crisscrossing the entire country trying to get a look at some of the best talent available, why not just make one trip and be able to see the top 100 or so players at the same time over the four or five days of the camp? Then they can choose which players to target for individual visits. The coaches 
area was a who's who of college coaches in the 1980s and 1990s. There was Mike Krzyzewski from Duke, Jim Beheim from Syracuse, Rick Pitino from Kentucky, Lute Olson from Arizona, Jerry Tarkanian from UNLV, just to name a few. A secondary goal was to help these players achieve the necessary scores on their SATs or ACTs in order to qualify for college scholarships. For my international listeners here in the United States, there are a couple of standardized tests available for high school seniors to take in order to qualify for a college scholarship at the university level. The player could be the greatest player of all time, but if that player cannot achieve a passing score on one of those two standardized tests, then the player will not qualify for a scholarship from a four-year university and may need to go and play at a two-year college for a while. The SAT or Scholastic Aptitude Test has a maximum score of 1600, and high school athletes need to get around an 800 in order to qualify for an NCAA scholarship. However, if the athlete has really good grades or marks, they can score as low as 400 on the SATs and still qualify for that scholarship. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details of that because this is still a basketball podcast, not a podcast about standardized testing. The ACT, or American College Testing, only requires around an 18 out of a possible 36. Again, there is a sliding scale if the player's grades are really excellent, but let us not go too deep down that road. The point is, that the ABCD camp provided a required course in SAT and ACT preparation to help these elite players get ready to qualify for a university scholarship. After all, ABCD is actually an acronym for the camp. The official name of the camp is the Academic Betterment and Career Development Camp, or ABCD. The third goal of the camp was to get the best players in the country to play against each other. This was the ultimate test to see how good these players were. With most elite players, it is difficult to tell how good they are because it can be challenging to properly evaluate the competition. Uh, let us say, hypothetically, that a player is averaging 30 points and 15 rebounds per game for his high school. Is that player truly an elite player? Maybe the player is just an above average player who is playing against weak competition. Or maybe the player is truly gifted because he's achieving these numbers against very challenging competition. Well, the ABCD camp was going to answer those questions because at this camp, there was nowhere to hide. These players were going against the most elite competition around. So if a player performed at a high level, then these coaches knew that what you had was a potential future superstar. The final goal of the ABCD camp came from Vaquero's experience in trying to sign Michael Jordan with Nike. Jordan had a bad impression of Nike as he was leaving college because at the time, Nike was not a big player in the basketball shoe market. Jordan much preferred Adidas, which was what he wore for practice back at the University of North Carolina. So Vaquero's thought was, how can we get Nike shoes in front of these players when they are still in high school and plant that seed so when these players go professional a few years in the future, they would be inclined to go with Nike and make the whole signing process smoother. For Nike, it was a relatively small investment to get into the good graces of these young players. So at the camp, every player received a Nike branded duffel bag full of free Nike gear, free shoes, t-shirts, tracksuits, you name it. Nike was going to shower these young players with free gear so that they will hopefully sign with Nike once they go professional. It was pretty much a win-win-win-win situation all around. The players got an all-expense-paid trip to the camp in order to play with and against the other best players in the country. They also got the opportunity to showcase their skills in front of dozens of the top coaches in the country. The coaches got to see all of the best players in the country in one gym at the same time. And Nike was busy winning the hearts of these players by giving them free gear. And the players received help with their test preparation. Well, this is a good place to take a break, and we will be right back with more on the ABCD camp. 
This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One Gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of unique Unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long-sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row 1 catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row 1 Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes. Hi, everybody. Dan and Andrew from Hello Old Sports here. We wanted to drop in and let you know about our latest episode. That's right. We interviewed the co-authors of Phyllis George, Shattering the Ceiling, a biography of groundbreaking broadcaster Phyllis George. And her life is really sort of a journey through 20th century America, from Miss America pageants to the Kentucky State House to the groundbreaking NFL Today show on CBS, even the Kentucky Colonels, the old ABA. We got into all sorts of stories about the Celtics under Red Auerbach, about the interview with Roger Staubach, about really all sorts of things, a fight between Brent Musburger and Jimmy the Greek. We really enjoyed talking with Lenny Shulman and Paul Volponi, who teamed up to write this book. The book is on sale right now wherever books are sold, you know, within reason, garage sales, probably not. So go (laughs) ahead and pick up a copy today. And if you want a chance to win the book, you can go to sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways and register for a chance to win. Goodbye, old sports. Welcome back to the show, and let us continue with the story of the ABCD camp and Sonny Vaccaro. While Vaccaro was busy getting the ABCD camp organized, he was still running the Dapper Dan Roundball Classic that he started back in the 1970s in Pittsburgh, and he was still working for Nike trying to promote the Nike brand throughout college basketball. He was a busy man. The ABCD camp was an absolute hit. Players did not apply to attend the camp, they were personally invited to be part of the camp. It was an honor for these players to receive that call. The camp typically took place in July, which was the off-season for these players from their high school teams. The camp moved around to different locations each year for the first decade of the camp, but in 1994, Vaccaro settled on holding the camp at Farley Dickinson University in New Jersey for the last 12 years of the camp. Over the 22 years of the camp, the sponsorship changed a couple of times. In 1993, Nike and Vaccaro parted ways, which ended the relationship with Nike as a sponsor of the camp. The camp was wholly owned by Vaccaro, so he continued to run the camp on his own. But it did not take long for Adidas to snatch up Vaccaro to do for Adidas what he had done for Nike. With that, Adidas became the new sponsor of the ABCD camp. And that was when the players at the camp started receiving free Adidas gear. Same thing, just a new sponsor. In 2004, Adidas and Vaccaro parted ways and Vaccaro landed at Reebok, which then became the new sponsor of the ABCD camp and started handing out free gear to the players. But essentially, the camp continues to run under the same format as before. Starting in 1996, when Kevin Garnett became the first of the modern high school player to jump straight to the NBA, it became increasingly common to see NBA coaches at the ABCD camp alongside the college coaches. The NBA needed to see who the truly great high school players 
players were in case they wanted to draft them. During the late 1990s and into the 2000s, it was known that maybe only top four or five players at the camp had a real shot of getting drafted into the NBA out of high school. The rest were still fighting for scholarships at the top university programs. At the end of the camp, they named MVP of the camp, and actually, they usually named a couple of them. First, they would name one or two MVPs for the senior class. These were the players entering their final year of high school. Then they would add one or two MVPs representing the lower classes. These were guys who still had two or even three years left of high school, but winning that underclassman MVP put a target on your back. Now everyone knew who the top player would be the following year. It sometimes put a lot of pressure on these players. Now here is a list of some of the players that won the MVP as seniors of the ABCD camp. Antonio McDice, Stefan Marbury, Kobe Bryant, Richard Lewis, Sean Livingston, Kevin Love, and OJ Mayo. However, there are also a lot of players who won a camp MVP trophy and then never made it to the NBA. Some of these players peaked in high school and were not able to develop their games any further. And by the way, you might be asking yourself, what about LeBron James? The guy was practically predestined for basketball greatness. He did win the underclassman MVP as a junior in 2001, but did not participate in the camp as a senior. He was already being touted as the number one pick in the 2003 NBA draft, and making an appearance at the 2002 camp could only harm his reputation. But just as a quick side note, here's a story about one of those SAT prep classes that they provided for the players in 2001. There was a player who was not taking the class seriously and just took the opportunity to take a nap while the other players tried to pay attention. The instructor was not happy with this player. The instructor said to the player that he needed to pay attention because this class was vital to getting a scholarship. The player responded by saying that he was not going to go to college and was going to go straight to the NBA. Therefore, he was not even going to take the SAT or ACT exams. For him, it was completely unnecessary. And yes, that player was LeBron James. The camp always started with an opening session with Sonny Vaccaro making a short speech about what an honor it is to be invited to the ABCD camp and how they should take this seriously since there were going to be many coaches in attendance. They all should be thinking about trying to play their best for these coaches. And then Vaccaro would usually bring in a former camper to speak to the players. In 2001, that former camper was Kobe Bryant. He had just completed his fifth year in the NBA and was already been to four All-Star games and won two championships. And he he was still only 22 years old at the time, barely older than some of the seniors. Then the players would get divided into teams for the week and they were given a coach who was typically an NBA assistant coach or a college assistant coach. Then they would play each other for three straight days. The play was typically sloppy because the teams only had one chance to practice before the game started. There was no sense of real team structure. It felt very much like a pickup game. The elite players would typically dominate the ball and take most of the shots. The rest of the players were busy looking for their own opportunities, whether it would be trying to show off their defensive skills or going into the middle and fighting for rebounds. There was very little actual instruction at the ABCD camp. I mean, at the same time, nobody was actually expecting instruction. Everyone just wanted to show out for the coaches sitting in the stands. That meant a lot of selfish individual play, but everyone understood what the week was about. The year 2006 was a final installment of the ABCD camp. Today, there are a bunch of camps where the top high school players in the country can show off their skills for college coaches. There is the Peach Jam in Atlanta every year. There is also the Zero Gravity Camp and the Hoop Group Jam Fest. All of these camps today are following the model set out by Sonny Vaccaro back in the 1980s. So let me tip my hat to Sonny Vaccaro. He had another great idea that proved to be very successful and serve a purpose within the world of high school basketball. 
Well, that does it for today. Join us next week when we share the story of Larry Fleischer. He was the attorney that helped Oscar Robertson and others in creating the NBA Players Association. He was absolutely instrumental in developing the legal foundation for the Players Union. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast, and check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more more great stories in the past. Take care and see you soon. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.